So Money episode 437, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Maybe you are on the road heading out for your July 4th weekend extravaganza. I have no plans. In fact, people ask me all week, what am I doing for, for, for like 4th of July, Independence Day weekend? And truth be told, I don't really ever plan anything around July 4th. July 4th is sort of like New Year's in the summertime. You know, like I don't do anything. I might actually enjoy being in the city when everyone else is gone. That's actually quite nice. Sophia is here with me. What do you do on July 4th? I usually just spend it with friends and family. This year I'm going up to my boyfriend's parents' house. They have a beautiful house on the Massachusetts coastline, so I'll be at the beach, which will be a nice change. But I agree, take advantage of the empty city. I think that's the best time to go out and do some of the fun things New York has to offer without waiting in lines. Yeah, no lines. I'm really looking forward to that. We went to the zoo this weekend, this past weekend, um, the Brooklyn Zoo, Brooklyn uh, Prospect Park Zoo, and it was was kind of a not that great, I have to say. I mean, if I was really into animals, I'd be really disappointed. But frankly, I was really, I liked that it was very minimal. Like the coolest thing they had there were monkeys. Oh, which you know, you know. But there were no, my husband's like, "Where's the lion? Where are the tigers? Where's the the, the cheetah?" Um, apparently, there was at one point more ferocious animals there, but they couldn't keep a lid on them, so oh. they uh, they just went back to like monkeys. And there was a really cool peacock. Oh. Um, Anyway, so not doing anything this weekend. We're looking forward to a relaxing weekend and hope wherever you're headed that uh, you'll be enjoying the weather, enjoying the the time off. And it's time for my So Money confessional. Yes. This week. One thing is that we installed blackout shades in Evan's room. That's so nice. Which was, I think, so money because even though it cost us money to do it, it wasn't (laughs) so money in terms of the bill. But I think in the long run, it will mean more sleep for the whole family. And if you listen to the Ariana Huffington interview from Monday, we know that sleeping is the best way to become successful. Like sleeping your way to the top is a real thing. Yes. It's not as dirty as we (laughs) uh, normally make it sound out to be, but it just means, you know, respecting your sleep, getting at least eight hours and getting quality sleep. And so, you know, we didn't get a lot of sleep the last two years. I'm not going to lie. Being a new parent is just one thing that goes out the window, but we feel like we're, you know, we're making strides and getting blackout shades. I will say the first night he slept an extra uh, normally gets up like 6.10, 6.15. He woke up around 6.50. Oh, that's good. It's not bad. I was hoping for like 7.38, but I, this is going to be a process. Yes. What was your so many moment? My so many moment was we and we got new closets. And when we purchased them, we went through the container store and they waived the installation fee, which actually turns out to be quite a bit of money that you're saving. So that was pretty so money, I would say. 
Now I can just go in and I know everything I have. Because I have to say, when I was getting the closets ready, I was pulling everything out and putting it on the bed and around the apartment so they could come in and install. And I was like, wow, I totally forgot I had this black dress. So it's it's going to come in handy. You know, one year I hired a stylist to come help me and organize my closet. And I, I, one of the things that she did in the first trip was just she shops your closet because we do forget what we have. And then you go out into the mall and you end up buying another pair of black pumps when you already had black pumps. You didn't think you had them or you didn't think you had that kind, but really it's the same thing. So it's sometimes really helpful to just shop your closet, go through, do some, you know, summer cleaning and reorganize it. And you might be able to come up with some new outfits that you didn't have to buy. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, that's me and Sophia talking about our so many moments this week. We want to hear from you. Tell us, you know, we have this Ask Farnoosh tool at somoneypodcast.com, which we love to use to get your questions. But we also want to hear how you're making strides in your financial life. What are some wins that you are creating, you know, daily or, you know, that you've accomplished over time? We want to hear them and share them with our Listeners, because that's ultimately what, why we're here, right? I'm here talking to you to share financial wisdom um, because we want to make the world a, a better place. And uh, that includes your help. So thanks for all of you for sending your questions this week. Sophia, tell us who is on the hot seat now. All right. Our first question is from Rigo. So he wrote in saying that he was approached by a multi-level marketing group and he did some additional research through Google and it was turning up some scams and horror stories. So he's really interested in having a secondary income and right now he's blogging a little bit for free, but he thought this multi-level marketing opportunity might be a great way to make some extra money. So he wants to know what your thoughts are on this whole debacle. All right. Well, I think there are a lot of ways to make money on the side. You know, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of diversifying your income streams. I'm writing about it right now for Oprah Magazine, looking at women who are working a full-time job, but making an extra $500, $600 a month through a legitimate (laughs) part-time gig. This is not to me scream legitimate. If you are not easily able to find credible information about this company, you're reading a lot of things that are telling you to run the other direction, take that as a big, big sign. You know, I don't, you don't need me to tell you that. I think you know that answer, but I think the bigger question is how do you know when you're getting yourself into a safe side gig or, you know, there's a lot of scams online. That is a fact. The internet is full of bad opportunities and scam and fraud. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of great stuff too. And I would say, you know, go to the credible sources, the credible online sites that are now acting as resources for people to get a really quick start to making money, whether that's a site like taskrabbit.com, tutor.com, etsy.com. I mean, whatever it is you end up wanting to do ultimately, like start there. What do you want to do? What what are you comfortable with? What does your time allow for to make an extra, you know, however much money you want every week, every month? Start there and then start exploring all of the tools that can help you accomplish that. You know, the the great thing about starting a side gig today in 2016 is that there's so many online ways to do it. Very few times you have to leave your house if you want. Uh, That's fine too. There are opportunities there. But in any case, whatever you narrow down, even if it is a gig on what seems to be a legit site, do your due diligence, do an online search. I think using the keywords 
of the job, the company, and the word scam or fraud, do that because you might find some things you wouldn't normally. And go down and look at you know what people are writing about in reviews. Check with the Better Business Bureau if there have been a lot of bad reports. You don't want to learn the hard way. You know you want to be able to feel good about walking into a job opportunity. And by the way, a big red flag we're seeing with a lot of scams for jobs online is asking you for your credit card information, your financial information before even getting you set up with the job. I mean, that sort of stuff is not relevant and should only maybe come up if you're doing some sort of direct deposit with them once you get vetted and you are now working with them. But if you feel like they want a lot from you, they want your financial information, it's a big red flag. So walk away. So unfortunately, I don't think this is the right move for you, but then I also think that, you know, the internet has a lot of great opportunities. It just means taking some more time and uh, follow up on those websites that I mentioned. There's so many more too. I mean, it just depends on what you want to do. Elance.com. There's freelancer.com. So ask friends, you know, and read articles. There's a ton of stories out there about people making money on the side. In fact, Ramit Sethi, who has been a guest on this show, he has an online um, school, basically. He has multiple courses and he teaches people from everything from how to get your dream job, how to find a side gig, how to start a business. And he has a course called Earn 1K. And I'm not sure if it's a uh, you know, an, uh, once a year or twice a year kind of thing, but check out I will teach you to be rich.com. There's a lot of great course offerings there and you could, that might be worthwhile, you know, investing in a, in a good course to educate you on how to find a very lucrative side gig. All right. Good luck to you and let us know how it works out. All right. So our next question comes from Elizabeth, who's been tuning into the podcast for a couple of months now. She says she's already learned a lot. Um, but she currently budgets all of her monthly expenses, but has a few that come about every six months or so, like contact lenses. So she wants to know what the best way to budget for expenses that you know you'll only incur, but maybe a few times a year. I too am one of those contact lens purchasers every six to nine months and um, sometimes <laughs> sooner because I go through contact lenses like like I'm not supposed to. I just ordered some last week, actually. And they lie, right? Like they're yeah. not daily disposables. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're like 20, they're like 10 hour disposables. Uh, but anyway, I think that sometimes you just have to know what to expect and budget for it. You know, if you know that you're always going to have to pay $200 every six months or whatever it is, maybe more, minor and way more, just make sure that you have that maybe you start to save every month for it leading up to that month that you're going to make that big purchase. And I know that with bulk purchases like contact lenses, you're buying for six months, for 12 months. If you, I think the more you buy, the more of a discount you might be able to get to because you literally are buying in bulk. So there's there are advantages to making that purchase once a year or once every 18 months or something. And of course, your vision prescription might change. So I'm not advocating for that, but you know, just that's a, a general advice is, you know, if you can make a purchase, the, le- the less frequently you make the purchase and the more you buy in the moment, you might be able to earn a discount in doing so. The other advice is just make sure that you pace yourself with the savings. If this isn't money that you're going to have on hand readily at, in the moment, and but you know it's an expense that's coming up, then you need to account for that in your daily or monthly 
um, spending and just know that by October, I need to have $300. So it's July now that gives me X number of months. That means this much dollars per month. And just that's how you do it. You sort of reverse engineer it. And, um, but at the same time, look for savings along the way. Maybe there's some ways to cost cut. And if you've been using a, a particular vendor, maybe there are some competitors you can check out and um, go through them. I actually just ordered through 1-800-CONTACTS. And if you placed your order for the first time through their app, you saved 10%. So that was also a so money moment this past week, actually, now that I think about it. So yeah, that was a great thing. So Elizabeth, if you haven't done that already, you might want to check out that offer. Good advice. I was pretty happy. All right. So the next question comes from Marco. He writes in and has a few questions about real estate. He wants to know, how do you save for a home or an apartment right now that the market's becoming so expensive? He also wants to know, Farnoosh, if you own a second home, and if not, where would you like to buy a second home? And he also wants to know what your favorite part of your new apartment is. (laughs) Wow. Okay, getting personal. (laughs) So the first question was about, there were three questions. How do you save for an apartment? How do you save for an apartment? Okay, so how do you save for an apartment when the market is kind of competitive right now? Well, I don't know if you're in New York or a big city, you know, where um, there's a lot of demand for property, but I think at the very least you want to have 20% down because that then actually makes you a competitive buyer. I just heard from neighbors that they're trying to buy a home in the suburbs. They live in Brooklyn now. They want to move to the suburbs. They have two kids. It's time they don't have 20%. And that is basically uh, destroying their chances of getting even close to getting their bids considered because people are coming with all cash, 30% down, 50% down. So if you really want to kind of consider yourself a competitive buyer, you want to first get pre-approved so that you are not just, you know, a window shopper, that you can go to that open house, fall in love with the home, produce the pre-qualification letter, and say, I've got 20, 25% down. Listen, sellers are going to want to take a meeting with you and they're going to want to see what, you know, they're going to want to take it the next, to the next step. So that's, that is at least what I'm experiencing in New York City. And this is really the ultimate place to buy. It's, it's a very competitive place to buy. If you follow the rules, like we're following them here and you're in a suburb in the middle of America, you're going to have no problem because it's really competitive here. You apply these rules someplace else. I think you'll be in a good shape. Whether you're a small business owner or a huge corporation, I've got one word that will transform the way you communicate, Igloo. Igloo software is a modern cloud-based internet software that acts as a central meeting place connecting three things, people, information, and processes. So whether you share files using programs like Dropbox, SharePoint, or Google Drive, or you have conversations using Gmail, Outlook, or Slack, it's all integrated. You can post files, share content, and collaborate with anyone all in just one browser window and without leaving your igloo. With no servers to maintain, automatic upgrades, and a 100% cloud-based system, you'll wonder how you ever got along without it. If you go to Igloo Software dot com slash so money you'll get a free trial of igloo up to 10 users can use it for free forever visit igloosoftware.com slash so money to improve the way you work today then he wants to know if i own a second property i do not although i mean i live in a combined apartment so i i'll tell you the whole thing right so i moved to new york bought a studio 
lived in it for about six, seven years. Then the recession happened. And then I was like in a serious relationship. So um, my husband, my then boyfriend and I decided we wanted to live together, but the studio was too small. So we decided to rent a one bedroom and I kept the studio and I rented it out for a few years. And so it became kind of like an investment property for me. And then a couple of years later, we wanted to buy again. And we noticed that everybody was going to Brooklyn. Not everybody yet. It was like early stages. And we decided to make the move and we bought property in Brooklyn. And I still kept my studio in Manhattan and I continued to rent it out. It was really good cash flow. And then eventually, once we're living in Brooklyn, years go by, we have a child, we need more space. We suddenly came home to realize that the neighbor was selling her apartment. It was a little one bedroom. So we pounced on that, bought it. But the only reason we were able to buy it was I had to finally sell the Manhattan studio. I'd been holding on to it for like over 10 years. It was a little bittersweet, but totally worth it because it allowed us to then finance this little place that we then bought next door. And within a year, we combined the two units. And so now we have a bigger place. Um, technically still two mortgages, which I'm trying to get through all of the city regulations. I have to combine my tax lots in order to qualify for a single mortgage. And I, it's just like, I've been told it could take six to 12 months. Oh, no. And that's expedi- <laughs> That's through expediting. So that's more information than you wanted. But I think the lesson there is Farnoosh is not shy of real estate. Mm-hmm. And I would love to own a second home one day. I think if we stay in the city, maybe a little t- house in the country or a beach house would be awesome. I don't think I'm one of those people that's brave enough to own a property overseas. Yeah. Because I just feel like... I'm so far removed. I want to be able to be there in case something happens. And I don't want to be a plane right away. Yeah. That's very luxurious and like falala. But I feel like (laughs) I would be a total nervous wreck the whole time. I mean, maybe if I was so rich. Yeah. I could hire people on land. And that's what you do. Like you don't (laughs) – you're not like – Getting a call six hours, you know, behind their time about like a leak. They have people there that manage it, but that's an extra cost. Anyway, my favorite part of the current home that we're in, I would say two things. The closet that we (laughs) built in our bedroom, that's just magnificent. Um, One thing that this place did lack when we moved in was storage, which we've changed since we renovated. We we took out a tub and made it into a closet because that's how – It's worth it. I mean, really, do we need three showers? No. No. But but I needed somewhere (laughs) to put like my vacuum. So that's what we did. And then – so I love my closet. And then I also love the new blackout shades that we just talked about earlier that we got Evan and so far, so good. What's your favorite part of your place? Oh, that's tough. I really like, you know, it's funny. I wouldn't have said this a couple months ago, but I really love the kitchen. I'm really starting to appreciate a good kitchen. And I really like being in there and cooking. And I think it's just such a fun place to be in in my house recently. I don't know. So... Are you learning to cook? I, you know, I have been getting a lot of cookbooks um, as gifts recently, and my mom has had a ton of cookbooks. She loves to cook, so it's just been, um, I'm starting to take it up slowly but surely. So, and I actually have to say, I don't think I'm that bad. So, we'll see where it takes me the next couple of of weeks and months as I perfect my cooking style. Well, bring some food in. I'll let you know. (laughs) You can use me as your guinea pig. Perfect. 
All right, next question. All right. Kevin says he has about three months of expenses saved up in an emergency fund, but he's switching to a new government job and taking a pretty big pay decrease. So he's also paying down student loans for law school from the past two years. And he has about $12,000 remaining with a variable interest rate of about 2%. So he has enough cash in the emergency fund to pay off his student loans. But if he does this, he'll have to dip into that emergency fund and take it down to about 1.5 months of expenses. So he wants to know what you think about this. You know, you just are starting a new job. I almost feel like I would rather you work this job for a while, maybe increase your living expenses, your sorry, your rainy day savings, maybe take that from three months to five months or four and a half months, and then dip into it to pay off the, um, you know, the, the student loans. I think that I would just like to see your savings in a bigger place before you using that to pay off the debt, especially because you're going through this transition. Maybe you start the job and you hate it. Maybe you love it, but maybe you hate it and you need to get out of that job quickly. You want to make sure that you have some cushion there. Um, anytime you go through a big transition in life, the, your biggest a- asset is your ability to stay liquid, I think, and like make a decision on the fly if you have to and take healthy risks. And that comes with, um, you know, having some good, uh, rainy day savings. So just, you know, because it's just 2%, there's no dash to paying that off. Instead, bulk up your savings and then uh, and then look at paying off those loans in, in a full in one fell swoop. And tell us where you got that loan because that sounds amazing. <laughs> All right. So our last question is from Corinthia, and it's also about student loans. Oh, and one other thing. Sorry, I, I meant to say he said it's a variable interest rate of two percent, which is risky because it could go up, it could fluctuate. But at the rate of the economy currently, I don't see interest rates skyrocketing anytime soon. I think the Fed kind of indicated that at least until the end of the year, they're going to keep rates pretty low or at the current levels. So if this was a different market, I might have different advice for you. I might say, you know, maybe you want to refinance that into a fixed rate loan. But um, even if it goes up to 3%, it's you're still doing very well. All right. So our last question comes from Corinthia, and it's also about student loans, but she wants to know more about refinancing. So she currently has about $100,000 in student loan debt and makes almost a payment of 1000 each month. She's thinking of refinancing her private and federal loans into one payment. If she consolidates them, she could potentially save about $300 a month. And she also wants to make extra payments to the refinance loan so she can ultimately pay it off earlier than the length of the loan. This sounds good to me. This is like, hi, Farnoosh, I'm planning on doing a really great thing. What do you think? (laughs) I think it's a great thing. So do it. I think that's the whole goal of refinancing if you're lucky enough to be able to qualify for refinance. And I know we've talked about how you can't mix federal with private loans, but there are new uh, platforms out there that will work with you, such as SoFi.com. And you can listen to the interview we had with the, the CEO of SoFi on SoMoney back uh, several months ago. But, you know, companies like SoFi are very innovative. They're allowing you to combine private and federal loans. And in this case, you're able to do that and save $300 a month. So you're getting the benefits of streamlining and saving money. So do that. And then you have the wherewithal to go, you know what? I'm going to put some more money towards that principal. 
I mean, even better. And make sure it is towards the principal. That's one thing that I will reiterate for importance, for significance here, that when you want to escalate your payoff for your student loans or any loan, remember that you want to make sure that extra payment is going towards principal, not principal and interest or just interest because you're paying down the principal in a much more aggressive way that way. So just make sure that that is um, how it gets identified when you pay it off. And then I have no other thoughts on that. I mean, this is this is what I love sometimes about the questions that we get. You guys are smart. You guys yeah. are you guys are doing the right thing most of the time, and you just maybe want some reassurance. You want to like get a second opinion. I get that, and I I think that's smart. But uh, I hope that Corinthia, like this, isn't a maybe a small sign of any insecurity you're having about your financial life. You know, like you have the right wherewithal. You know what you have to do. I want to make sure you realize that. And anyone else, you know, who writes in, sometimes we feel insecure about our ability to make healthy financial decisions. And that's, I sometimes feel that way still, you know, and it's good to get a second opinion, but you're hearing it from me, like your head's in the right place. And I like what you're doing. So thank you for inspiring all of us. And thank you to everyone, Corinthia, Kevin, Marco, Elizabeth, Rigo. Rigo, I hope you find that really great second income. Check out my October issue of Oprah Magazine because <laughs> I know you love Oprah Magazine where I talk a lot about how women are finding side gigs. But even though they're just women, it's it's everyone can do what they're doing. And I uh, hope you all have a fantastic Independence Day, a financial Independence Day. <laughs> Sophia, thank you so much. Thank you, Farnoosh. And that's a wrap. I hope your day is so money. 